All right, I'm recording. One, two, three. I am also recording. One, two, three. Can't snap. <laughs> I can't fucking snap, man. Come on, man. You can snap. I also can't whistle. I, I, I can't whistle. It's, uh, it's a great point of shame for me. Like every time that I get a song stuck in my head and I try to whistle, I'll whistle for a minute. And then I notice out of the corner of my eye that Marissa has gone dead silent. And I'll look over at her and she's just shaking her head like, you know you can't do that. Um, I try to whistle and then it's just like I'm just blowing air through my mouth. And it's very sad. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to like catch my breath. But I have like a bird's beak and I can't get enough air in. Good. All right. So um, we... Let's talk about being alone. <laughs> Which, because when I'm alone, I can't whistle or snap. I feel like if we keep talking about whistling and snapping, we're going to end up alone. Okay, so um, why are we talking about being alone? I feel like we're so connected now. And not just, I don't mean just you and I, but society in general. That I feel like it's really challenging to, one find space to be alone and two i feel like a lot of people are scared to be alone and i recently went on this 10-day meditation retreat uh, i say recently it was a couple months ago now and every time that i talked to someone about it like when i was preparing to go they said something equivalent to there's no way i could do that because the retreat itself it's 10 days of silence and it's not just not talking to people it's no technology so no phones no reading no books no note taking mm -hmm. and so it's really you're just alone i mean you're, you're with other people i guess like you see other people there you just can't talk to them so you're, you're still kind of like in this like solitary confinement almost like you see everyone else but you cannot communicate with them in any way shape or form like no, not even any eye contact and so as i was preparing to go and do that i felt a little bit of trepidation but i i don't know what it is about my personality but i was also really really looking forward to it and then having gone through that 10 days it was just interesting sitting with myself for that yeah. long well, first of all, congrats on dropping trepidation properly in a sentence. Um, second of all, what, so so you did this for ten days. Um, yeah. Did you did you cheat? What do you mean? Like, did you like sneak off to just talk to yourself somewhere, or or like, <laughs> like just babble to myself? I don't know. I don't know if I could not hear my own voice for ten days. Uh, I found myself laughing sometimes, and I talked to a spider once. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, like on on day seven, I think I've told you this before, but it, re it reminded me of a very low level mushroom trip because everything w with no information coming in and nothing really going out. Um, I feel like everything just takes on this little extra significance. And so... Yeah, I talked to a spider because I was like, this spider's amazing. Look at the web that it built. Like, I don't know. Like, ordinary things were like, uh, I think Sam Harris, who's a, who's an author, and uh, he wrote a book called Waking Up. He's, I, I think he said something like, ordinary things become extraordinary. And it's totally like that. 
So it's like the the moment when you've been awake for for far too many hours, and you like look at at I don't know a building, and you go, "Oh my God, people built this!" Yeah, and it's crazy <laughs> to think about, right? You're like, "How much time and work and effort, and how do you even build a building?" Like, you got to know some shit to do that. Oh, I don't man. know any of that shit. No, that's it. Reminds me of uh, Joe Rogan has a bit on the the end of civilization, like. It, back in the, the days of the pyramids, how everybody smart just died off at one point and we just forgot how to do all of the things. Uh, it, but it always cracks me up because he's like, he's like, I don't know how to build a microphone. Do you know, you know how this thing works? I, I definitely don't. I don't know what you do when the power goes off, but I sit and I wait. Yeah, I, fig- <laughs> I, assume I figure there's a guy working on, on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true so- though. Like it, it, uh, that kind of stuff is definitely, um, it, it's this kind of stuff you'd never think about. Like you just spend so much of your day completely unaware of all the amazing shit that happens around you. But so, okay. So seven days, well, you, you, you asked me if you asked me if I cheated and I want to get back to that for a minute because okay. I did cheat a little bit because here, let me tell you the actual schedule of, of how it was supposed to go down. And then I'll tell you what I ended up doing. Okay. So, um, the actual schedule, it was supposed to be 10 days uh, which I did all 10 days, but the daily schedule was wake up at 4 a.m. to a gong, which I did wake up at 4 a.m. to a gong. Um, I'm gonna, so I'm going to tell you what actually happened, and then I'll tell you what I did, all right? So 4 a.m. to a gong, meditate in your room or in a meditation hall for a couple of hours, and then there's a group meditation in the hall at like 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. And then you eat breakfast and then you go meditate some more. And it's basically just the entire day. It's like 10 hours of meditation uh, per day. What I ended up doing is I would wake up at 4 a.m. with a gong and then I would shower and then I would go back to bed for one hour (laughs) while everyone else was meditating. I was feeling like I needed more sleep. And... The only meditations uh, that I went to, I guess, in, in the main meditation hall, there were three per day. And there's one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. And those were absolutely required. And they were three hour-long sits. So you would go sit for an hour and meditate with a bunch of other people, but you can't talk or look at them. And the rest of the time, I spent walking around the premises. So it was like in southern Washington state. And there are mountains in the backdrop. They have, uh, I'm not sure how many acres, but they have acres of land uh, where the meditation retreat is. And so it was really, really beautiful. And growing up in Montana, I love being outdoors, right? And so that was really peaceful. So I did a lot of walking meditation on my own. And I meditated in my room a little bit, but I probably meditated like maybe four or five hours a day as opposed to 10. But the reason that I did it that way is I kind of had my own agenda going into it. Like, I feel like a lot of other people went to this meditation retreat specifically to follow the program uh, as outlined. And I went to it to get away from everything for 10 days and to deepen my own meditation practice that I had been working on for about a year. So so let me, let me cut you off there because I think um, there's like, there are two things. The first is what you said that to follow the program, um, and the, the second thing I was going to ask is about your actual, like, your own relationship with meditation. So let's start with the, the, the program. Like, when you say people came to this retreat to follow the program, I'm getting in my head a, a picture of, like, 
some dude with a white beard and a robe like, <laughs> leading around a bunch of people who have like really drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sounds kind of cultish. But how, I mean, how cultish was it? No, it wasn't very cultish. I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people, uh, so at the, at the end of the 10 days, by the way, we could talk. So like on day 10, everyone could kind of just get to know each other. So I did ended up talking, ended up talking to some of these guys that I was, uh, that I was with for that long. And I got the sense, like some of them were super nice and others, uh, I feel like they were really seeking something and they were seeking it from outside sources. So I guess what I mean by that is it didn't feel cultish to me, but I, I, I feel like, uh, I didn't feel like I was a part of a cult, but I felt like other people were a part of a cult. Yeah. And I don't know if that I, makes any sense. Maybe I'm like implicit. Maybe I'm I was a part of it and just had like this cognitive dissonance where I was like I'm not part of that. But I just felt like I went into it with a different set of expectations than they may have. And I'm I'm basing this off of the conversations I had with people afterward. Mm-hmm. So, so the program is like it's guided meditation um, by a, a gentleman who passed. His name is S. N. Goenka and I think he's from, was originally from Burma, and he has a v- very specific uh, style of meditation. And so when I say the program, what I mean is like, if you were gonna go learn a skill, they want, they want you to do that skill a certain way. And so I went there to deepen my own skills, not necessarily learn all of their skills. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. Like I took some of what I, I took a lot of what I learned Um, I wasn't, I was really open-minded, but I felt like I had already established a really good meditation practice based on what I'd been doing in the past. And I just wanted to have an opportunity to practice that a lot. Yeah. So you have been meditating now for like going on two years, right? I think a little bit less, like maybe a year and a half. Okay. So why did you start? Hmm. I think a couple of things. The first is it's always kind of appealed to me. I don't I didn't really know what meditation was. And and meditation, like the best way that I can explain what meditation is now, like my understanding of it is the ability to just witness reality as it happens and not get caught up in like thinking a lot. It's just more of like, like I said, that, that low-level mushroom trip, it's like when you're very, very much in the present and you're aware that you're in the present. So, so it's, like, it's, like this, it's like this way to like drop back into just what's going on right now and not thinking about a bunch of shit that you're going to do later or remembering a bunch of stuff that you did before. It's more of just like taking everything as it comes and, and kind of witnessing that moment to moment. Yeah. Yeah, so part- well, the, the whole thing seems like... To my sensibilities, I'm so deeply opposed to the whole concept of meditation because, um, well, Mm. not opposed. Let me let me rephrase that. I am um, repulsed, not opposed. It's uh, it doesn't. (laughs) That's much. That's much better. (laughs) Well, I I guess what I mean is like it. It's not like I'm I'm upset that people meditate and I want them to stop. And I feel like that's what opposition is. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's more that the idea does not hold any appeal to me and I think what that comes from is by my understanding 
the idea of meditation is to try to I guess I'm coming at it from a a point of like what I've always seen meditation to be, which is a a way for somebody to like waken their spiritual side and like be one with the universe and like, you know, sit in the the lotus position and, and, you know, chant. Um, Now, I know that's not what you do, but I also have a hard time separating my impression of like how... um, it's difficult to to separate the spirituality from meditation and spirituality is something that I'm pretty uh, averse to because of all of the religious implications and the like the do- the dogma I don't like dogma I think you can separate like, and, and here's the thing with all these words right like what you're saying I understand because what it reminds me of though is when someone says like New York City is dangerous why is it dangerous? Oh, because people get mugged there and it's dirty and all this other stuff. And that may be true. And that even, that even may be like what's prevalent in the media or I don't know, in the social circles that you run in, like if no one's ever been to New York or a big city like that, right? But you know once you go there that that's part of it, maybe. But it's not the full thing. And that's kind of how I feel like with with the meditation. Because I I get where you're coming from. And that, like what you just described, repulses me also. That's not what I do though. So here's the way that I, like here's another way of viewing it. Just the way that you would go to the gym to uh, train your body. So you would do push-ups and squats and you're increasing your mobility and your strength and you're building capacity for your body to withstand... uh, trauma and uh, old age and everything like that meditation from my viewpoint is like training your mind so meaning it's like how can you one accept things that are happening as they're happening and two uh, realize like what your mind is doing on a moment-to-moment basis so I feel like you would actually really appreciate meditation because you're very, uh, I'm not, I don't know if introspective is the right word, but like you're curious about the way that you make decisions and why things happen the way that they happen. And like you like to go in and dissect how to become uh, more proficient at uh, uh, strategy or thinking or like more strategic thinking. And I feel like that's what this is. It's, just, it's an ability to kind of sit back and you're sitting there and you can be in the lotus position or whatever. I used to sit in a chair or now I kneel on this little stool thing that I got. And I'm basically sitting there and all I'm doing is trying to focus my attention on my breath or on sounds that I hear. And by doing that, what happens is I constantly get distracted by thoughts about the future, about the past, uh, about... uh, like uh, something happens that distracts me, like uh, like a, a sound or something. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing is I'm watching my reaction to that thing. So it's instead of like getting caught up and thinking about the future, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about the future. And then I come right back to the present of like just sitting there. And then I'm like, oh, I really got to remember to do this thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm worrying about this thing. I, I, I'm like, it's like getting a bird's eye view of the way that you think and not trying to change it, but just like accepting that that's what's happening. Does that yeah. make any sense at all? It, it does, 
and it it, it does and it it also like it makes me wonder if if maybe I I do meditate just in a different way because I I do spend a lot of time just thinking um, and I, by thinking I don't mean like daydreaming or or like wondering about the past you know the past or the, the future it's it's more like um, like you said like dissecting well, what happened and why did it happen and why did I react that way and how can I react in the future and um, kind of building that uh, I don't even know you wouldn't call it stoicism but something sort of along those lines um, which to me has always been a, a, a pretty critical um, I just I really like the uh, I like the ability to see my emotions coming and for me I don't know I, I've never sat down with the intention of meditating but I have spent a lot of like long walks doing kind of what you're talking about um, but I, I think it, I wonder about like practical application so having done this having having meditated do you find that when something happens that maybe would have like set you off like a, a trigger from the past uh, or or like an insecurity or something like that like when you encounter one of those do you find that you've like has your has your meditation allowed you to stay outside of the moment or do you still like get offended and fly off the handle I still get offended and what happens is I am much more likely and much more quick to realize that I am reacting in a certain way and to realize that I do not have to act in that way I can choose to just accept that I feel angry or nervous or whatever and just feel what that feels like in my body just like I don't know sweat or shaking or like uh like uh how, how do I want to say this like if I really want to like if I'm really excited to go do something it's like energy in my body you know mm -hmm. what I mean and I can feel all of that and kind of disassociate myself from it more quickly and I feel like I can get more grounded and make actual like actual better rational decisions yeah. because I just feel these emotions and I like I'm very impulsive like you know this about me and what I've what I've learned about myself is I can kind of see my impulsivity now when I'm in it before it before it gets way out of hand yeah like it, I'm not any less impulsive I just can see it and then accept that I'm feeling that way and then I just don't feel it anymore. Yeah. So th that's that's been the biggest thing for me is I'm how do I want to say this? I feel like I'm much more forgiving of myself too. Like if I like if I'm like having negative self-talk or like I'm really worried about something what the meditation has allowed me the practice has allowed me to do is realize that I'm just thinking and that I'm like self-creating these things uh and they don't have to be me. Like that's not who I have to be, yeah. like positive or negative. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like the, talking about this, it's like it's so. I don't feel like I have the vocabulary or the words quite yet to to explain it. Because even saying it, I'm like, this sounds kind of like woo woo, spiritual weird shit. But I would, it, I guess I would challenge you to just try like a 20 minute meditation and uh, there's one that I really like by Sam Harris and you can find it on iTunes and it's called looking for the self and I would just challenge you 
to to try that and you may hate it and <laughs> that's fine but at least you would get an idea of what the meditation is i guess from like a very cuz uh, from a very rational secular standpoint mm-hmm. okay 